I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. His upcoming trip to Croatia and this week's story in the Green Voice and something that he did on Friday that, well, folks, you may want to do yourself. All of that in just a couple of moments with Doug, but I want to tell you for the 10th caller right now, 412-922-1020, you win a gift certificate from Sorgles. He has got a very special guest coming up soon, so we're going to get to our commercial break sooner than normal so we can spend more time with his guest. But to get it all started... Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the host of the Organic Gardener, DougOster.com. He is on the disc at the Two to Pitch Produce line, Doug Oster. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Rob. How are you? I'm good, sir. Planning does continue for my upcoming trip to Croatia in July. There are now only six cabins left on our private yacht. <laughs> I still can't believe I'm saying that. The boat holds 36, and we will cruise the coast off Croatia as we explore the country together, little towns, lots of food, gardens, what's not to like about that. But this Thursday, if you want to learn more about it, I'm presenting a free webinar Thursday at 7 o'clock that explains every detail of the trip. My representative from Colette Travel will be leading that. All the details are at DougOster.com, and uh, I'm just, I can't wait to travel again. Uh, it's been a long time. Yes, and this week's story for the Green Voice is all about planting and ordering seeds. Uh, I've got my t- tutorial in there about how to start your seeds indoors in that story. Um, as I said last week, uh, the demand for seeds is high. So get to your local nursery. Uh, if you order something special online, get it ordered now because uh, it's crazy. Uh, one of the big companies shut down twice already in January. And, you know, we're going to have another year of people, you know, really wanting to garden. Uh, Friday, I did spend uh, the, the morning at Phipps uh, filming the Orchid and Tropical Bonsai show for Pittsburgh Today Live. And, man, I'm telling you, it's great. They have time tickets, so there's barely anybody in there. Uh, they, they're uh, limiting how many people can come in. So there's plenty of room to see the show. And I don't know if I've ever seen the sunken garden look this good. I posted a lot of pictures on Facebook because uh, I, I just, you know, there's something about orchids, just the the, the difference in the flowers, the, the, the variegations and colors, and it's just a stunning show. And bonsai, too, you know, uh, there's, you know, you got a 35-year-old tree that somebody's worked on for all that time, and it looks like it's 135 years old. Uh, so just cool stuff there. And I'm, I'm, I'm making progress on my latest project, which is Doug's Free Seed Shacks. I'm turning these 
newspaper boxes, those ones that we used to throw a quarter in and open it up and pull the newspaper out. Well, I found a source for those, and I'm going to fill them up with seeds and put them around the area. I'm not sure where. Uh, I know one of them I think I'm just going to move around, but I'm going to put some of them just right in the same spot for the season. Uh, If you've got any ideas about this project or or seeds, just let me know. Again, you can just reach me through DougOster.com. That's where if you don't get through here, if you don't want to be on the air, if you're too shy to ask your question on the air, I answer questions after the show for about an hour, um, and uh, you're not bothering me. This is my job, and I love to do it. Uh, But we will be taking questions after our guest, uh, somebody that I'm very Excited to talk to Nikki Jabor Gardens in Nova Scotia. She is an expert in cold weather gardening. I just dabble in it. She is an expert. Bought her new book, uh, Growing Undercover, Techniques for a More Productive, Weather-Resistant, Pest-Free Vegetable Garden, is more about extending the se- than extending the season. It's about using different coverings for different reasons, and it's going to be great. Uh, I've known Nikki for a long time. She's an amazing, amazing uh garden author and radio host and then later mrs know-it-all will be here to talk about flowers for the cutting garden and for pollinators that's going to be a lot of fun rob what do you think let's take a break let's ta- or we want to take a break yeah let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll get nikki on board and we'll give you guys a chance to have a nice segment together don't forget folks uh, we are here with doug until eight and then next hour hot sandwiches Folks, think about it. Roast beef, turkey, pulled pork, and more. It's the Coons Cooking Hour. Then Heffron Tillett's and Germany and you. Jim Meredith, Kirk Carlson. Then the Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday Show. All still to come today. News Radio KDKA. And he is with his very special guest. And to do the honors, let's get back to Doug Oster. He and his guest on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline. Doug? Nikki Jabor has been a dear friend for well over a decade. And while I dabble in growing vegetables all winter, she's an expert and has mastered the technique. She's the author of four innovative vegetable gardening books, including her latest, Growing Undercover, two-time winner of the prestigious American Horticultural Society Book Awards, host and producer of the long-running radio show, The Weekend Gardener. She writes for Fine Gardening, Birds and Blooms. She is co-author of Savvy Gardening with our friend Jessica Walliser and has quite a following on social media, media at Nikki Jabor. Oh, boy, Nikki. And in the winter, you can find her harvesting giant carrots out of her cold frame. She has a beautiful <laughs> garden of raised beds, which is amazing. Good morning, Nikki. How are you? Doug, it is such a treat to talk to you again. I have missed you, my friend. How are you? That bio, I, you know, that's a long bio. You're, you're a little busy out there. <laughs> it's totally made up, honestly, so, you know. <laughs> You know, uh, in uh, the book, Growing Undercover, uh, part of it is extending the season, uh, uh, growing through the winter, and that is how we first bonded. The first time I was on Mm -hmm. Nikki's radio show, I couldn't believe I was talking to somebody else who who was into this, and I actually, when I was thinking about it, uh, preparing for the interview, I can't remember why I started to garden longer into the winter. Did you have an epiphany? to extend your season? Right, yeah, you know, I kind of did. I mean, I'm on the east coast of Canada where we are covered in a lovely deep layer of snow right now. Um, But it was years ago, I was, you know, 
a regular, typical, average, quote-unquote, vegetable gardener, which meant I planted in late May, you know, and we harvested throughout the summer. And by September, late September, we had frost and it was finished. Um, but there was one year that I thought, you know, I'm going to go plant more garlic. It was late October, maybe even early November, and it was obviously had been cold for a long time. And I went up to the garden, and the arugula that we'd harvested in, like, September still looked fantastic. And I was like, wow, okay, well, let's pick some of this. And then I threw an old row cover over top of it, which I, you know, had been using for spring tomato protection. And that arugula went till Christmas. And I thought, well, geez, this is pretty amazing. I wonder, A, what else I can grow, you know, for as long a period as possible. And B, are there other kinds of ways I can protect these vegetables? Because I didn't have a greenhouse or anything like at that point. Um, and I didn't know how to build mini hoop tunnels or use cold frames. Um, but yeah, it kind of led me down the, the rabbit hole of season extension. And like you, I love growing vegetables that are, you know, kind of traditionally out of season. And I don't also use any heat or anything extra like that. It's just solar energy from the sun and simple structures you can make yourself. And I saw a picture on your uh, social media recently of those carrots. And I know that the <laughs> carrots are one of the favorites that you love to grow almost yeah. all winter, right? Totally all winter. The only time we don't have them is when we eat too many and run out. <laughs> but I have two frames right now full of carrots. Um, there's also some in my polytunnel. And there's one bed that's like, well, probably about a third of a bed right now that's deep mulched with straw that still has carrots because it's super easy. Anybody can, you know, can grow carrots pretty much. And then you can protect them into fall and winter for harvesting. So you don't have to have any special equipment, really. All you need is a garden bed or, you know, some, some soil to grow carrots in, and then mulch them with shredded leaves or straw in late autumn before the ground freezes and harvest them all winter long. Um, the ground underneath won't freeze deeply, and you can still pull out those beautiful carrots. Now, the tops will start to look a little yellow, and I like to show that in my social media so people don't think, you know, a carrot right now in January in my garden, like the greens look perfect. They're looking a little rough. They're looking a bit yellowy and, you know, not as strong as they were back in September. But the roots are so sweet and so perfect and so delicious. And that is, of course, why I'm growing the carrots. So with the book Growing Undercover, it, I thought it was going to be all about extending the season. But there's so much more that you cover in there. Uh, pardon the pun. Uh, <laughs> what else are you using covers for? Let's talk maybe yes. pest control. Can you actually use pet, use something to cover for, for pests? Totally. And, you know, that was kind of a tangent that I discovered when I started using them for season extension. Um, you know, so it was like, well, I'm going to use, you know, a row cover to protect these plants from frost. But, hey, wait a minute. I don't have any cabbage worms now on these plants or flea beetles. You know, and then, of course, I started researching and experimenting and trying different types of covers because, you know, 20 years ago when I was doing this, there wasn't a whole lot of range of covers. But now there is. We can get insect barrier fabrics, lightweight roll covers. You can get different types of bird or deer netting. So there's a lot of different types of materials out there now that are inexpensive and effective. So I use them to prevent the big guys like the deer, the birds, the rabbits, the groundhogs, the squirrels, the chipmunks from eating my vegetables, you know, in spring, summer, fall, uh, and winter. So, you know, you can build mini hoop tunnels covering them with chicken wire or, or bird netting or, you know, the insect barrier fabrics. And you're not going to have the problems with squash bugs, cucumber beetles, potato beetles, cabbage worm. So it does protect from a wide range of different types of garden pests, big and small for sure. And then something I never thought about either is growing cool weather crops that need a little shade and you're using that to cover some beds. 
Yeah, and shade cloth, I think, is the most underappreciated garden cover that's out there. Um, most gardeners don't use shade cloth in their gardens. But, you know, you, you, like me, love the greens, Doug. So, you know, I know we're growing greens in spring. And when that weather starts to switch from spring to summer, and it, sometimes it's, you know, slow, and sometimes it's really quick, uh, goes from cool to hot super fast, and the soil gets dry, and a lot of greens don't like those temperatures and all that sun. So I cover them with just a little bit of shade cloth, you know, on a mini hoop tunnel. And that helps extend the harvest of my greens like spinach and arugula and pak choy and lettuce for another two to three weeks. Because otherwise they just bolt, which means they switch from vegetative growth, you know, to producing flower buds, flowering and then setting seeds. But they turn bitter at that point. So I want to, you know, keep the high quality green harvest going as long as possible. And that's why I use shade cloth. It just casts a little bit of shade. Um, and it lets me harvest those greens for weeks longer. But you can also use shade cloth in midsummer. If you're trying to plant carrots for fall or winter, you know, for me, I'm planting them in late July, early August, and it's hot and dry then. Or if I'm planting lettuce in September when it's still quite warm and lettuce doesn't like that, I'll use shade cloth as well just to keep the soil moist over top that bed, help promote good high germination rates. Um, and then, you know, within a few days of germinating and the little sprouts coming up, I'll whip off that shade cloth so the sun can get at them. But it just helps me establish crops in summer for, you know, then eventually harvesting in fall and winter. Okay. Tell me about your beloved giant polytunnel that is in the book, <laughs> Growing Undercover. Oh, my gosh. That's my happy place, Doug. And I wish you were here. <laughs> I know it is. Still in it with me. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I, I talk about it far too much. Um, and, you know, especially in 2020, which is a year we were all pretty much home. Here in Nova Scotia, we had a total lockdown. So, you know, there were two months where we couldn't go anywhere. And, you know, my kids, it was March and April, and my kids would go up in the polytunnel. They took all my straw bales. They made furniture out of straw bales. And even though it might have been like, you know, zero, like 32, I guess, Fahrenheit, it was like, you know, 70, 75 in the polytunnel. So we all just hung out in there and enjoyed the space. But, you know, it has really upped my garden game. And you don't need a greenhouse or a polytunnel. Um, but if you have the space and you're serious about, you know, not just growing your round, but just boosting your yield in general, it's so it's amazing what a simple microclimate like that can do. So I use it to grow, you know, right now there's lots of vegetables up there, like the beets, the carrots, the lettuces, the spinaches. But even in summer, like it lets me plant my tomatoes, peppers, melons, all that, like weeks and weeks earlier and harvest weeks and weeks later. So it gives me that microclimate that my short season garden needs to mature certain types of crops. And I have like it's a jungle in the summer, Doug. It's tomatoes like that are like ten feet tall. And it's just a nonstop harvest. And, you know, I get to freeze and can so much vegetables and share with the friends and family in the food bank. It's an amazing space. And as you know, I left a, one corner um, for a little patio, a seating area, so we could literally sit up there and hide in our secret garden. <laughs> oh, that is so sweet. When you were putting together Growing Undercover, what were you thinking you wanted readers to get out of it? Well, I think, I mean, a lot of times books like this, they say, are for already experienced vegetable gardeners. But you don't need to be experienced to use the row cover or even a cold frame. Like a first season vegetable gardener can still use a cold frame. Super easy, bottomless box, clear top, and extend your season so easily. So I think I want people to understand that, you know, these types of structures and materials can be used to protect your crops from bugs that we all fear. You know, we don't want cabbage worms eating our kales and broccolis. We don't want squash bugs eating our zucchinis. So these covers can be used to make you a better gardener. And I mean, you know, if you get potato bugs, it's not your fault. I mean, you know, bugs are a fact of vegetable gardening life. It happens. But you can help prevent so many types of problems by putting covers to work in your garden. What's the best way for people to get growing undercover and to connect with you? 
Well, it's available uh, everywhere online, of course, all the big online shops, as well as local bookshops. Uh, my publisher is a U.S. publisher, Story Publishing. So it's available wherever books are sold. Um, and it's going to second printing now, which is exciting. Um, and, of course, I'm online with Jessica Walliser at SavvyGardening.com. And, and all over, as you know, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. <laughs> I spend far too much time on social media, as I'm sure you do, too. You understand. <laughs> Nikki, you're a force of nature. Thank you so much for getting up early and being on the show. And people, go on out there and get this book because it's amazing, Growing Undercover. Oh. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you, Doug. Love you. Talk to you soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go to the phones. If you have a question for Doug, give him a call right now at 866-391-1020. All right, we're back. Second half hour of the Organic Gardener, DougOster.com. Doug on the disc at the two to Pittsburgh Newsline. Look, if you have a question for him, now it would be a good time to call. All of our lines are available, 866-391-1020. But if you're the 10th caller, 412-922-1020. And if my producer, Ben Comino, says, hello, you're the 10th caller, you win yourself a $25 gift certificate from Janoski's out in Clinton, where they're open all winter long, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. You know, Doug, I was checking out some of these great questions from your listeners that send them directly to you. So why don't you share some of those and give your thoughts on them as we wait for some calls for people to ask you a question here on the radio. Yeah, if you do have a question, these are questions that came in to me uh, after one of the shows. Uh, I answer questions after the show for an hour at DougOster.com. And the first call, uh, first question is, my local electric company offers free wood chips. I thought it would be nice to put under and around pine trees. Is that a good idea? That would be a great idea. Uh, the thing about wood chips is wherever we use them, wherever you lay them down, as they decompose, they will rob nitrogen out of the soil. But as they transfer into compost, they release that nitrogen. So sometimes when we put wood chips down, we add a little extra nitrogen fertilizer to those crops. In the case of pine trees, we wouldn't have to do that. Um, But whenever we're putting anything down as a mulch, and you've heard me, I'm a broken record on this, it should look more like a donut, not a volcano. And so we never want the mulch to touch the bottom of a plant, whether it's a tomato plant or a pine tree. Just keep it off the bottom. And in the case of a tree, we spread that mulch all the way out to the edge of the branches. We call that the drip line. And uh, any time that you can mulch your plants, you're going to be better off because you're going to uh, keep that soil evenly moist. And then also, as we get into this freeze and thaw cycle, uh, during the winter, that mulch keeps the plants in place. It doesn't allow for, for such great uh, ranges in, the, in temperature with the soil. Uh, so here was another. Here's a, a great question from Edward uh, that I had to do a little research on, too, something I forgot about. He says, is there a larger tomato that tastes like the sun gold cherry tomato? And lots of people love sun gold cherries. They, they're actually my wife's favorite tomato, and it's just a cherry tomato that is an orange color that's very sweet. Uh, and and some people, and I'm one of them, I just just love them. You know, one or two plants is all you need. They put on a 1,000 tomatoes. But I was thinking, I was like, wow, that's a great question. And I I started poking around online, and I remembered one that came out called Amish Gold, uh, which is a bigger one, and it's a cross between Amish Paste, which is a famous heirloom, and the Sun Gold. And so it's bigger. It's a big orange tomato. Now, I've never had it, but from everything I was reading, it sounds like the closest thing to that sun gold if you want, wanted that sweet flavor in a bigger tomatoes. 
and a bigger tomato. Rob, keep going here. Yeah, do one more. All right. Uh, this is a good one, too. I bought, uh, Cheryl says, I bought an amaryllis plant into the house. It was a new bulb, and she just noticed white flies on it. It was sitting three to four feet away from her orchids. She got rid of the amaryllis, but she thinks she saw white flies on the orchid. Uh, what can I use to treat it, or should I remove the orchid potting mix and treat all five of my orchid plants? that have spikes with buds so that these orchids are getting ready to bloom uh sometimes when you bring plants into uh your indoor garden you'll bring in what what was with it white flies spider mites or aphids something like that all three of those things are pretty easily controlled indoors and so there's two two organic products that i recommend one is called insecticidal soap and the other is horticultural oil and don't don't mix up your own. Just go out to the garden center, buy buy one of these two things. And how it works on those three pests is you actually spray it on the pest, and it suffocates the pest. And so it's usually not one treatment. It's usually probably like three treatments in as many weeks or maybe in a month. Uh, and then you'll have that all under control Uh so great for Cheryl to uh, have those orchids with buds on them ready to bloom. I wish I could see that. But you can see some orchids at Phipps. The uh, Orchid and Tropical Bonsai Show opened yesterday. All right, let's get to some of these phone calls. we got Marianne for Doug in Slippery Rock. Go ahead. What's your question? Good morning, Marianne. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Um, Doug, I was wondering about microgreens. Um, did I hear you mention that you could start microgreens from beans and you could make grow beans as microgreens oh yeah yeah uh so all microgreens are uh is your regular seed uh whatever Uh you choose to to grow as a microgreen and one of the options is beans so for the most part uh, the things i grow are radishes sunflowers beans greens like spinach and lettuce herbs like basil and all you're doing is you're putting them into a, a, a planting mix, a moist planting mix, covering that with plastic that just keeps it moist. And they just mm-hmm. sprout up as little uh, little sprouts. That's, that, those are our microgreens, and we harvest them in a week or two. And we just keep that going on the windowsill all winter. I've got my windowsill is filled right now with uh, radish microgreens, and i got some spinach sprouting. It just, it's a way to keep gardening in the winter and those microgreens are highly nutritious and very sweet. And so, uh, yeah, beans are one of the ones, you know, uh, it, when, you're, when you're sprouting in water, you have to have special seeds. They have to be uh-huh. earmarked, earmarked to be in water. But when you're using uh, a, a planting mix, you can use any old seeds you want. And that's, that's one of the, the tricks to this is I use a lot of leftover seeds for that. And so... Uh-huh. Um, those little bean sprouts are tasty. Peas, people love peas, too. So very easy to do. Uh, if you go to DougOster.com, I've got a video on there that I did for Pittsburgh Today Live that shows exactly how I do it. And so just a great way to garden in the winter. All right, thank you for the call. Let's do one more before the break. Let's talk to Martha in Elizabeth for Doug Oster News Radio KDK. Hi, Martha. Hi, how are you? Good. Uh, I'm calling to get the address of the gal who called from Canada, I would like to get a copy of her book. Okay, the best way to do that would be online. Do you have any? Do you use the computer? No, I don't. 
Unfortunately. All right, do me a favor. Leave your name and phone number uh, with Ben, who is the producer there, and I'll get back to you right after the show, and I'll get a, uh, a what we call a snail mail address for you to find the book, okay? All right, we will definitely do that. We'll put her on hold. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Mrs. Know-it-all right after we check some sports, which is minutes away. Rob Pratt Sunday News Radio, KDK. Good morning. Yeah, he's back with his regular guest at this time during the show on Sunday, so let's get to it. Once again, Doug Oster. Doug? Time for Mrs. Know-it-all. That's horticulturist Denise Schreiber is going to tell us all about flowers for a cutting garden and for pollinators. How are you this morning, Denise? Uh, Good. I want to make one comment. The lady who has the white fly, one of the best ways to prevent white fly uh, on any plant indoors is to actually have some air circulation. So maybe a little small table fan. It doesn't have to be right in front of it, but actually, you know, in the room. That will help uh, keep them down or even prevent them. Great. How about yeah. uh, flowers for the cutting garden and pollinators? Okay. So you know, everybody's doing their vegetable garden and planting you know, tomatoes, peppers, chard, whatever. And But we have to think about having some flowers. One, we like to bring flowers, cut them and bring them in and make our own little bouquet. But the other thing is we want pollinators in, in our gardens to produce, help produce our fruit. So I've put together just a little list of some easy plants to put in the garden. Uh, I have mine bordering my vegetable garden. Uh, So I've got zinnias, bedding dahlias, lilies, because you know how much I love lilies, heliotrope, which smells wonderful, Um, ornamental alliums, tulips, daffodils. We don't think about them, but we can actually use them as cut flowers. Sunflowers, of course, garden mums, peonies. Cosmos, Larkspur, Bachelor Buttons, Celosia, Coneflowers, Sweet Peas. And, you know, you don't have to just have them. You can also use foliage. So if you have some ferns, you can cut them. You can cut ornamental grasses because it kind of gives you that nice wispy effect. And you can take, you know, foliage off of almost anything and just add it. You don't have to be a florist to have a bouquet. But in having all those flowers there, you're attracting the pollinators. And I'm not talking about just butterflies and uh, honeybees. I'm talking about hoverflies, mosquitoes, beetles, even though, you know, they may not be the most attractive insect. And they are pollinators, too, hoverflies that we really can't see, ants, because they're all attracted to the pollen. And it doesn't matter whether it's a flower or a vegetable. They're there. They want the pollen. They're going to pollinate for us. Educate me on growing sweet peas because I've, even though I start early, I just never have very good luck with sweet peas. Okay. Sweet peas actually are a little tr- tricky here. And as much as uh, I know you love heirlooms, you actually kind of need the hybrid ones here. They don't like our soil because it's so cold and wet, and you are supposed to start them early. So try using the um, hybrid ones, and you may want to actually start them indoors just a few days ahead of time. Soak them because the seed's hard. So you want to soak the seed a little bit, much like you do um, morning glories. Put, you know, a wet paper towel, put them on a sponge, let them absorb the water. You can also take a little nail file and just kind of lightly sand it to allow it to germinate. 
and that should do the trick. Our weather's always a crapshoot with sweet peas, unfortunately. I want to try. I mean, I, I keep. Tr- <laughs> I do too. I, I do too. I Every year, I, do. I, I appreciate that advice for the hybrid because I was probably I probably had you know seeds sitting around that were heirlooms. So I'll I'll try it that way uh, and see if I can get them going. Um, talk a little bit about other ways to attract pollinators. Uh, I know zinnias are a great one. You, when you're growing zinnias, you do you start yours ahead of time or do you direct sow them? I think you start them ahead. Yeah, I do start mine ahead of time. I grow the um, old-fashioned ones. Actually, I get a lot of my seed from Renee's, and I grow the one called Moulin Rouge because uh, it's a variety of deep red zinnias, and red is my favorite color. And I always start them. And so when they get to about three true leaves high, I actually cut them. I just kind of snip it off. And that allows them to branch and produce more flowers. So, but I do start mine indoors. And I, you know, I, I, I go out and cut them all summer long. But that's the trick with them. It also makes them sturdier. So if we have, you know, some high winds or anything, they don't, they're not spindly and fall over. It actually, you know, keeps them more upright. But, yeah, I always start them indoors. Now, the perfusion and the Zahara zinnias, which are the low-mounding ones, I also start them indoors. But you can also buy them if you don't want to start. And you don't need to start them as early as the cutting zinnias. Uh, just because you're not going to be cutting them, you're going to be using them more as a border or in a container. And every garden that I grew up with had zinnias in it. You know, it's kind of it's kind of funny. I mean, every vegetable garden had zinnias in it. There, there's just something about having a nice, I love nice flowers in the veggie garden. I also grow. Now I have you know a good sized fence around my garden. I always grow a couple of flowering vines, just annual vines, not morning glories. Uh, <laughs> I grow them, but not in the vegetable garden because they recede. But something that will, it's attractive, but it also brings in the pollinators to maybe the back of the garden. So last year I started growing this little, I don't know the name of it, it's just a little yellow clematis. And it's it covered the garden, and all the little hoverflies were in there. The bees were in there, and they were at a part of the garden where norm, it's a little shadier, so you normally don't see a lot of pollinators in the shade. All right, Mrs. Know-it-all, thank you as always. Remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow. All right, Doug, thanks. Good stuff. Listen, stay tuned. Speaking of good stuff, hot sandwiches today on the Coons Cooking Hour. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.